Good morning. You guys be seated. How's everybody? Good deal. Go to flip over to Luke with me. Go to Luke chapter, we're in chapter 5 today. Luke chapter 5, you can uh, make a little note, we're going to start in verse 1. But just to kind of give you an idea of where we're at right now as a church and what we're trying to do or attempting to do in all of this is uh, we believe as a church that we have a distinct calling, and which means that we have something that we've heard from God that we want to live out. And for the past few weeks, uh, four or five weeks, this fifth week, we have been laying out what that calling is and, and what that means for us. And so we've addressed what our vision is, we've addressed what our values are, and you can look over here and you can see all of that. Uh, last two weeks, we, we hit something very special to me, and it was our social covenant, and it's because one of the things I truly believe as a church uh, body is that because we are all humans and because we all have our own little uh, quirks about us, is sometimes we don't know how to do relationships healthy. And when we started Light Point Church, we said one of the biggest things we're going to fight for or one of the biggest things that we are going to stand on is that we want to be a church built on healthy relationships. And so we laid out this social covenant for you and what that means. And we talked about things like confronting rather than gossiping, forgiving rather than bitterness, and all of these different things that as human beings we tend to face and deal with on a regular basis and how as a church we are going to hit that head on and, and address it in a way way that is biblical in a way that honors God. And so we've did that for the past two weeks. One of the things tonight I want to invite you to, uh, just so you know, tonight's more than just the budget. I know we keep saying the budget meeting or whatever, but it really what it is, is it's a time for us as a church family to get together and praise God for all that he's done. Um, we've had an amazing year in 2018, and we get a time to sit as a church family and see that as we look at not only just the finances, but some amazing things that God has done through, to, through 2018. So it says open house, but just so you know, at 245, or not 245, what is 645, thank you, Jocelyn, 645, we are going to just have a time where we're just uh, kind of gather in our basement and just kind of run through some things real quick. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, the social covenant, be there tonight and I'll recap it for you. Uh, and have an, you can have an opportunity to sign that as well. Um, so anyway, so that's, that's where we're at. I invite you guys to come hang out with us. If you have any questions or anything, please let me know. Uh, the, uh, so yeah, there we are. So today we're talking about something. It's, it's interesting. The, the, the passage we're going to look at today is something that I have I've studied and I've looked at and I and has really changed a lot in the way I view my walk with Jesus. And and I'm going to unpack that for you. But as a pastor and as I think about Light Point Church and what I want us to be, I come back to this passage a lot. And I come back to it and, I, and it refocuses me and it helps me stay on track. One of my biggest things that I stay alert to and, and as a pastor, is whether we're staying aligned to the calling that God has on our lives. Because here's the truth of the matter is, you can be a little bit off of your calling right now, and a year from now you can be way off your calling. And so one of the things that we come back to is this is what God's called us to, and we will not apologize for it. We will just passionately pursue that calling that God has for us. And so that's the piece we're coming back to today is this, is we're going to look at our mission, making disciples who live 
and love like Jesus. And so I want to I debunk some myths here real quick that I believe a lot of us believe about making disciples. And, and we're going to kind of address those up front. Let me be very clear. Making disciples is not me taking all the knowledge in my head about the Bible and putting it in your head. Because all that does is make you a, a well-known Bible scholar. Making a disciple is just not me building a relationship for the sake of a relationship. Making disciples, if you look at what Jesus did, he did this. He spent time with people. He asked people to follow him. He asked people to, to do life with him. And as they did life together, as they lived life together, that's where the transfer of information, the transfer of what's most important took place. See, in our world today, we have this idea that discipleship or being a disciple is, how do I gain more and more knowledge of this? And I can gain all the knowledge I want of this, and if I treat you like crud, Mike, what does this mean to anything? I can have all the knowledge of this and do as many Bible studies as I want, and there's nothing wrong with it. But if I don't know how to treat people, and if I don't know how to interact with people, and I don't know how to love people, then what point is all this knowledge? And so we're going to get back to the basics and say, how did Jesus do it? And let's passionately pursue it. Let's go after it. And here's what, I, here's what I've learned is this. One of the best compliments that was interesting. Last week, uh, a guy came up to me after the service. And he said, Chad, I'm noticing something about what you're doing here. And I just smiled. I said, what are you talking about? He goes, you're laying a foundation for something amazing, aren't you? So I'm trying to trying to. See, everything we do is about the foundation we lay. It's what, it's what drives us. It's what, it what pushes us. It's what, it's what we stand on. It's what we go back to time and time again. And that's the piece that I come back to. Our life group and another life group has done, gone back to this workbook that, that helped us understand this idea of what being a disciple is of Christ. And, and so we've started this, and it was amazing. I went back to it, and one of the verses I'm going to share with you points to it today. And it's interesting because as I'm going through this, for the fourth or fifth time, it's still reminding me of what I need to be doing day in and day out. And so the thing that, that we will stand on, the mission that we have is this, is making disciples who live and love like Jesus, who make disciples who live and love like Jesus, who make disciples who live and love like Jesus. See, if it just stops with me, what's the point? If it just stops with me, why should we go any further? But it's got to go on and on. And more people know what it means to be a disciple of Christ, that make disciples of Christ. The statement that we've read every time during, as we open this up is, if this church ends up like every other struggling church I've ever been in, what will we have accomplished? Guys, that's why we push for health so much. That's why we teach on what health, healthy relationships is. That's why we come back to things that drive us. That's why we come back to Scripture that helps guide us. That's why when we look at what Jesus did, we just try our best to live it out. And so we're trying to stand on that promise, stand on what God's Word is. And Luke 5, 1 to 11 reads this. Now it happened that while the crowds was pressing around him, and now this is Jesus, and Jesus was getting a crowd following right now at this time in in, in in his ministry, and listening to the word of God, and he, and he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, 
and he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets, and he got in into the, one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. I'll give you a little picture of this. Is there were so many people gathering around Jesus that they were pushing him into the water. And so the thing he had to do was he had to get out a little bit so he could project his voice. So he got in a boat and he got out a little bit so that he could teach so that he could share God's word with him, so that he could share God's love with him. So he got in, which was Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the land, and he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out in the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he, saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. From now on you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to the land, they left everything and followed him. I've heard this passage preached a lot about, and one of the biggest focuses whenever I hear this passage preached on, is the catch. Everyone wants to focus in on the catch. And they want to focus in on how, how Jesus brought in the, these massive fish, this, this great catch. And so we focus in on the catch, and what we miss is there's a lot of stuff that got to the catch. There's a lot of things that Jesus did, and a lot of things that people responded that got to him. And so today I want to look at our response simply to Jesus. And here's what it looks like. See, here's what happened. So we have these guys that have been fishing all night, and they were sitting there, and they were washing their nets, and have you ever done something and, and, got, and have got, got nothing out of it? Anybody like to go fish? Anybody? Or go hunting? Or anybody like to play sports? Ready? Or anybody like to do anything? <laughs> right? Tough crowd today. Here we go. Ready? How many of you go shopping? Thank you. Shopping. You know how when you go shopping? You go shopping and you don't buy anything? John, John, we're not in our world right now. It's okay. You go to the shopping mall or you go to the store and you, you leave empty-handed how does it feel? Okay. See, to me, that's a waste of stinking time. <laughs> but <laughs> you don't find the buys if you don't shop. <laughs> Trying to think of something biblical to say here. <laughs> 
You ever put everything you got into something? So whether you, you want to go and you want to pour into somebody and, and you get nothing in return. You pour all this time into something and you pour all this energy into an individual or you, you pour everything you think you have into something and, and, and what happens is, is what you thought, the narrative in your head doesn't exist, didn't happen the way you wanted, didn't work out, right? Um, you go and you, if you go, like to go fishing and you go fishing and you sit in a boat and your main job of going fishing is to actually catch something because in order to uh, feed your family, you have to actually bring in food. It's kind of like when I go to counseling and my clients don't show up. I'm sitting in my office for three hours and clients don't, go sh go, don't show up. And so what happens is that my compassion for those clients drops dramatically. They get a late charge. Anyway, um, but all of this, ready? So I want you to get your, this image of take what you love to do or something you passionately do that has a significant value, significant outcome if it, if, it, if it happens. So whether it's working, whether it's making a sale, whatever it is, you're going out to do something that's going to provide for your family, that's going to do something that's of value for those that you love, and, and then you go out and you, nothing happens. Where are you at? A lot of times we're in a place of discouragement. We're in a place of, I want to give up, or what's this all for? And so they get in the mindset of these guys as they went out and they fished all night, and they're tired and they're, they're cranky because they didn't catch anything. And so all of a sudden they're washing their nets, and you know when you're tired and cranky and you're doing something, you're not doing it very nicely, and you're not doing it with a lot of joy. You're doing a lot of crankiness and grumpiness. And so what happens is, is your whole attitude changes. And here comes this guy along, and he says, hey, I want to get in your boat, push out so I can can teach people. And see, my natural reaction would be, dude, get your own boat. I'm tired. I'm going to bed, right? Let's be honest. That'd be a lot of us. But for some reason, God had his hand on Peter and he said, let's do it. Let's get in the boat, pushed out. He had an idea who Jesus was. And so they pushed out a little bit. He sat down. He started teaching. And then all of a sudden, here's what's interesting in this whole passage. Ready? Could you imagine if, G if Peter sat there in his grumpiness and sat there in his whole self-absorption and, and selfishness, what would have happened? He would have missed a major God moment in his life. He would have missed something that would totally transform his life. And so what does that mean for us? That even in the midst of our grumpiness, even in the midst of our defeats, and even in the midst of everything, God has a calling, us, a calling on us to be present in every situation. Did y'all hear that? That even when I'm grumpy and even when I don't get things the way I want them and even when I'm sitting in that selfish piece of it's all about me and let's be honest because a lot of times we have these moments where we're like what? We're tired. We've had a long week. And we really don't feel like do, doing anything. We really just want to sit on the couch and do nothing. And we want to turn on Netflix and binge watch some wonderful show. Or we want to watch some meaningless show on TV. And we just want to escape from it all. Because the week didn't go the way we wanted. And then all of a sudden God puts somebody in your life. And you're like, I'm too tired to deal with that. And we say, God, did you not see the week I had? Did you not see all this other stuff? And why are you putting this into my life at this moment? I am tired. And so what I'm learning about this is that God doesn't rely on whether we're energized or grumpy or tired. 
God moves in the midst of all of that. And our calling is to be present in every situation. To be open to what God can do. See, Peter in this situation is if he wasn't present, he would have missed something. I wonder how many times we miss things. I was, I was convicted yesterday. It was very interesting. The girl, our fourth grade girls team was in a tournament. And they led the whole game up until 15 seconds, 30 seconds left in the game, right? I'm bringing up some bad memories for Chad right now. Anyway, he, uh, so last, they, 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 up by one, nine seconds in the game. And, and we drive down and, and miss it. we couldn't get a shot off. Didn't go the way we wanted. And every bit of me wanted to go off on a refs because they didn't call enough fouls. I got an amen over here if y'all didn't hear that. <laughs> Every bit of me wanted to lose it and within, right? And one of the things that kept convicting me was this, is you got a group of girls there that just love playing the basketball game. And, and although they're, and see, we can say, they don't care about winning or losing. That's a load of crap. They do care. You know how I know? Because my second grade boy, who they don't keep score with, will tell me whether they won or lost, and usually he's right. My kindergartner, who they really don't keep score with, actually keeps track of the games, and kids care whether they win or lose. They just don't care as long as I do. They leave the gym, and they're good. And, but here's the convicting part. I was getting so caught up in all this other junk over here, how many fouls were not or were called, and I was getting caught up in all this other stuff and what, what, all, this, all this other junk. I was getting caught up in it rather than being present in a moment that I could speak truth into these girls. And during that moment, God said, remember what your purpose is, Chad. Remember what you're, why you're here. And because of that moment, because of that piece right there, I was able to switch my attitude to actually be encouraging rather than let things outside of my control dictate what I did. See, they come. They come in these moments when we least expect it, when we don't want it. Ready? When our spouses or when someone we love needs our attention. At 10.30 at night and you just got home from counseling and you've been hearing everybody in the world tell you every one of their problems. And they lay it out for you, right? And I know this, y'all are much better at this than I am, so just hear me out. I'm a little confession time here. And you get home and you're exhausted and all you want to do is sit in front of a TV and listen to Last Man Standing or whatever stupid show's on at the moment. And so you're sitting there and your wife wants to connect with you and engage with you and every bit of you just wants to say, can we just talk about this in the morning? And yet God's calling on me is to be present in every situation. So you turn off the TV. You turn and you look at her and say, what's up? What's going on? And you're present. See, it doesn't always come in the most convenient times. It doesn't always come when we're energized or at the right, the right time for our lives. But there's people that God has put in our lives that he simply wants us to be present. Just like Peter had to be present in that situation. Even though he was, he was tired and he was grumpy and he was upset because nothing was caught. Nothing went the way he went, wanted it to go. Yet there was this encounter with somebody 
who he didn't fully know the implication or the power of the person that he was going to have an encounter with. He didn't quite understand that just yet, but he still had to be present in the situation. Who do we need to be present with? Where do we need to be in that? See, 1 Corinthians 16, 13 to 14 reads this. And this is our, my prayer for us. It says, be on the alert. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men and be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. Go back to that first one. It says, what does it say? That first two words. Be alert. Do you know that being alert does not mean I've got my nose in a book? Do you know that being alert doesn't mean that I'm self-absorbed and selfish? Being alert does not mean that it's all about me and what I want and my attitude. Being alert means that I'm paying attention to what's going on in people's lives. Being alert means that I'm paying attention to when my son walks into the room and he says, Dad, can we go throw a football? Dad, can we do this? That even though I don't feel like throwing a football, I go and I throw a football with him because it means something to him. Being alert means that if someone reaches out and wants to grab coffee or wants to have lunch or breakfast or whatever it is, dinner, then being alert sometimes means there's a reason why they reached out to me, so maybe I need to make time in order to go spend with them. Being alert means that there's somebody in our world right now, ready? I need you to hear this. There's somebody that we're in a relationship right now that needs to know the love of Jesus. They need to know who, the, who Jesus is. I don't know who it is for you, but there's somebody in your life right now that needs to know who Jesus is. Being alert means this, and being present means this. God, show me who this is and make me, give me the courage enough or help me to be strong enough to actually be who they need to be at the moment so that I can point them to Jesus. The second thing that in this passage that we read is this, is in, um, and this is probably the piece that's funny. I was sharing this with um, a few people this week. Um, not this week, but over the past couple weeks. I've been listening to too many podcasts lately. Anybody else like to listen to podcasts? Yeah? Okay. If you don't know what they are, there's these leaders or whatever. Um, they, they like to talk and they share their insights on stuff. And so I've been listening to this one particular pastor in Oklahoma, and he's been talking about He's been talking about this, this thing that happens with churches where they become complacent. And then I was interested, I was reading 2 Peter in the first chapter of 2 Peter. I was reading it this morning. And it was talking about this idea of being aware when you become complacent in your walk with Jesus or you come, become complacent um, in what he's called you to do. And so this complacency has been, been running all around in different things as I read and as I listen. And so I'm listening to this guy, and, and he's talking through this, and he made this comment. He said, what risk have you taken lately? What risk have you taken lately? He goes, those of us that refuse to take risk will stay stagnant. He goes, if you're not willing to take a risk, then guess what you won't see? You won't see God move. See, here's, what, here's, the, here's how he said it. He goes, do you know that the fruit 
that, that a tree produces is it does not stay near the trunk of the tree. The fruit that is produced is out on a limb where it's what? Vulnerable. Flimsy. If you walk out exposed, if you walk out on that limb, guess what the, the chances of that thing snapping are? Great. And, and, he, and he was talking about this idea of taking risk and of doing something outside of your comfort zone or doing something that's not comfortable or just or taking a risk. And I sat there and I started thinking, what risk are we taking and what risk am I taking and am I taking risk? And I'm, I'm like, I'm going through all this thing and I'm like, I got to stop listening to this guy. I don't want to listen to this stuff anymore. I'm getting uncomfortable. I'm getting, right? And so I'm sitting there and, I, and then I started looking at the last two years of Light Point Church and I started pointing to all these risks we were taking. And then and I started thinking, well, what risk are we taking this year? And so your pastor was in turmoil this year trying to figure out what risk we're supposed to take. And so it was very interesting. So I'm saying that to say, pray for me as we think about all this. And here's what I'm learning is that a lot of time the greatest risk I can take in life is loving somebody that needs to be loved by Jesus. But sometimes the greatest risk I can take is focusing on the very thing that he's called us to. And not giving up on it. And so we get to this point in verses 4 and 5 of Luke 5. It says this. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. And I love this because here's the thing. Ready? He had tried something, and it didn't go as the way he wanted it. He had done something that he knew how to do, and he was fishing, and he went out to catch something, and he, and he did it, and, and it was over nighttime, and there's a reason why they fished during the, that particular time, and there was a reason behind all of this, right? And yet in the broad daylight, Jesus says, I want you to do this. Go into the deep. Push out a little bit more. Go into this and cast your nets here. And it could have been very simple for Jesus to say, I've already, we've already been fishing. What do you know, carpenter? What do you know? Go build me a table. And yet they said, you know what? I'm going to take a risk. I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to drop this down to the water and see what, see, see what happens. How many of us have grown so complacent that we're not willing to take a risk? We're not willing to throw the net out to where Jesus is saying. Can I just say something that encouraged me yesterday? So Julie had all, a lot of the women over to the house last night for, what was it called? Soup, slippers, and fun, right? Whoever made the brownies with the caramel on it, they were delicious. I got some leftovers. Here's what I was encouraged about. I, Julie said, Chad, you wouldn't believe we had like three or four new ladies that have never been to Light Point that were invited by somebody that, that, that came that's a part of Light Point. To me, that, that's taking a risk. That's saying, you know what? I know somebody that needs community, that needs to know what Jesus is love about, so I'm going to invite them. I'm going to invite them to this thing of soup. What is it? Soup, slippers, and thank you. It's a mouthful. 
taking that risk. See, Jesus, I believe, it says we got to be willing to take, he's called us to be willing to take a risk. What risk do we need to take? What is the risk that he's calling us to? What is the risk that um, is outside of our comfort zone? What is the risk that, that pushes something that, that we don't feel comfortable doing? What is that thing that allows us to go out on that branch where it's flimsy and vulnerable and doesn't is not as stable as what we like and is not as secure as what we like and puts us out there in a place that, let's be honest, is we really are not comfortable there. But that's right where he wants us and that's right where he works the best and that's right where he can mold us and shape us into who he wants us to be. And so a lot of times we stay connected over here, holding on to where we're safe. And he's like, now come out here and take a risk with me and watch what I can do. And so the verses right after that is see if we're willing to take a risk and knowing that I'm called to take a risk and knowing that there's something I need to do this week that's, that's willing to risk, whether it's my own idea, myself, or, or even put my, make myself vulnerable, that there's something that needs to happen. If I'm, if I'm called to take a risk, it needs, it's this, is I need to be ready for action. Verses 6 and 7 say this. When they had done this, in other words, when they had cast the nets on the side of the boat that Jesus told them, they did it in the right place, and they did exactly what he told them to do. In other words, they were obedient to what the Savior said. They were obedient to what their God said. They were obedient to what, what that risk that was going to be taken. They started doing that, that risk. Here's what happened next is they had to be ready for action because God was going to do something. See, it's not a matter of just being willing to take the risk. It's a lot of times the action that come afterwards, and it says this. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. And I want you guys to pay attention to this. So they signaled to their what? Look to the person to beside you. Say, hi, partner. If you need to go behind, look behind you, that's fine, too. There we go. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for their, them to come and what? Help. Look to the person on the other side and say, there's going to come a time I need your help. And they came and filled both the boats so, so that they began to sink. Do you realize that Jesus wants to do something so powerful in our lives that it's too much for us to handle alone? There's something he wants to do in our lives. There's something he wants to do at Life Point Church that is too much for just one individual to deal with. In this passage, we get to see this, and it's this. It's, are we ready for this peace to happen? Are we ready for what God's going to do? Are we willing to take the risk to go out and do something uncomfortable? But here's the second piece. Are the people around us ready for, to take action? Are we ready to take action when someone else takes a risk? See, I see this passage that we see in this, that, that it's not just Peter who went out. Peter had a crew with him. Peter had uh, people with him that went out, and he was obeying what Jesus told him to do. And so what happened was, is you didn't see the people in the boat. You ready? You didn't see the people in the boat say, hold on, man, just hold those nets and I'll be there in a little bit. I got to finish cleaning my own nets. 
They didn't say, you know what, I got to take care of my own stuff right now. My wife needs me at home, and, um, you know, I, I think I got baby duty in a minute. And I don't know why I said, see, wives can look at this and say, my husband's been with the kids all day, and he's wore out, and I got to get home and relieve him. Guess what? Your husband's going to be okay. They can handle it. But are we ready? Are we ready for the place when someone says, I need help, to show up and be Jesus in their lives? Are we ready to come alongside and help those that need help? Are we in a place to do that? Here's what I've learned in life, is I will never be ready for that place I need to be to help somebody if I spend all my days grumpy and worried about my own life. And in those moments when I'm sitting there and I'm being selfish, you know what I don't see? I have yet to see God move in them. When I am being prideful and it's all about me and all about Chad, I have yet to see God move in that. The minute I humble myself and I become willing to take a risk for him and I become willing to be about doing something and helping somebody else, I start to see God move more and more in my life. And what I see in other people when that happens, I see this, this energy that takes place that other people want to be a part of it and they want to get alongside you. And see, here's what happens is this, is it becomes very easy for us to get tired and self-absorbed and say, you know what? No, and let me be very clear. Sometimes we need a break. Sometimes we need to sleep. And it's okay. One of, my, one of the things I'm on our, our DBT team, and it's, going, it's uh, counseling those that are um, high risk. So you think about all your suicidal clients and self-harm clients. And so that, that's one part of what I do during the week. And one of the things they do is they have 24-hour access to me. And they can call me at any time, and they can reach out if they're hurting or whatever. And so what I'm learning is this, is that um, I've learned to tell them, I am human, and I sleep. It may not be for that long, but I do sleep. So if you call me and you're hurting, let me know. And when I get your message, I'll call you back. See, sometimes we need that, and we need, to, we need that peace. But there's a fine line between taking care of ourselves and, and making sure that we're right where we need to be with the Savior and being self-absorbed and being selfish. There's a fine line between being all about me and all about Jesus. And the piece that needs to happen is this, is there needs to be a switch in our lives to where we humble ourselves before our Father and say, use me as you will, and he'll provide those moments of rest, and he'll provide those moments of recharging, and he'll provide those moments that we need and that are sustainable. And here's what I love in Titus 3.1. It says this, and as, as they write this, it says, remind them to be subject to rulers, to authorities, to be obedient but here's the piece that it's, it's interesting is in Titus, it says this, to be ready for every good deed. 
And so as we look at this, are we ready for that? We have a calling to be ready. In verses four, 8 and 9, it says this. But when Simon Peter saw that he saw that, in other words, he saw this huge catch. He saw what happened when you took a risk. He saw what happened when you asked for help and people show up. He saw God moving. He saw what happened when you walk and you do something that, that maybe you've already tried, but yet you persevere and you keep at it and you keep at it and you keep doing what God's called you to do and you go, you passionately pursue that. He saw what happens when you actually do what he's, God says and shows up. He saw the whole fruit of what takes place when we take a risk and we're ready for action. He saw that, and here's what happens, ready? But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at Jesus' feet saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of the fish which they had taken. There was this amazement that took over him. He stood in awe of what God did. He stood in awe of what happened when, when God showed up, when God actually fulfilled what he said he was going to do. He stood in awe of how God moved. He stood in awe of what was possible when we take a risk and we're ready for action. He stood in awe of, of who Jesus was. And he was up front with him. I love this about Peter. You ready? He goes, go away from me, for I am a sinful man. Notice he didn't look at Jesus and say, it's about time you gave me this catch. It's about time you showed up. It's about time you answered this prayer. It's about time you whatever. He didn't say that. In the midst and standing there with Jesus, he had a moment where he looked at himself and said, look at me, I am a sinful man. See, I believe Jesus has a calling on us to just be real with him. To stop covering up all this stuff because what happens is this, is when we get in that attitude of it's about time you showed up or it's about time you answered or it's about time you came through or it's about time, whatever it is, right? When we get in that moment, it becomes, not, it doesn't come about, it becomes all about us and not about him. And yet in this moment where he sat there and said, get away from me, for I am a sinful man. He says, I can't be in your presence because how amazing you are and how broken I am. And he got to this point where he realized his own brokenness and his own, downfall, his own downfalls and all these other things that, that he thought made him who he was. And he said, that, and he goes, I don't know what to do with this. I don't measure up to you, God. And I think sometimes there's this piece in it that we like to cover those, those mistakes up and we like to cover those faults up and we like to put on a show that just doesn't let the real us come out. But he already knows who we are. He knows the real us. And so let's, let's be honest. Sometimes it's just helpful just to be real with God and say, I am struggling right now and I am tired and I am wore out and I am sick of all a lot of these different things and my compassion for people is dropping dramatically. And let's be quite honest. This is where I'm at, and at this point in life, I am done. And so sometimes we just need to be real with him. Sometimes we just need to lay that before him and let him know what's going on. 
And see, it's okay to have those moments. It's okay to get to that point. It's okay to get to this point where you're honest with him and let him know, I'm tired. I'm done. I'm fed up with this person. They're wearing me out. It is okay to be real with him. And when we're real with him, watch how he shows up. Watch watch how he shows us who he really is because we're real with him at the moment. And we see this in 1 Peter 5, 6-7. It says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may what? Exalt you at the proper time. Notice it doesn't say at the time you want. (laughs) You ever notice this about Jesus? About God? He doesn't say, hey, at the time you want to be exalted, that's when I'm going to do it. No, he just says, humble yourself before me. And at the right time, I'll exalt you. I'll lift you up. Casting all your anxiety on him because he what? He cares for you. How are you not being real with him today? The last part is this. In verse 10 to 11. And so all the guys that were with Peter, who were partners with Simon, were there and they were in an amazement too. And it goes on, it says, And Jesus said to Simon, Do not fear. You know what that means? Stop worrying with how sinful you think you are. Stop worrying and letting that fear of those mistakes you made keep you down. Stop stop worrying about those mistakes you made and living in those mistakes and living in your past and those pieces and allowing, allowing that shame, you ready? Allowing the shame of the mistakes that you made and how that has made you a sinful man. Stop living there because all that produces is fear. And when fear takes in, it shuts us down. And so Jesus looks at him and says, do not fear. Do not fear. Don't get caught up in it. You know what I think it also says here? Don't be afraid of what I'm going to do in your life. Don't be afraid of what I'm, how I'm going to show up. Because I'm going to show up in a big way. Do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. When they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and what? Followed him. See, we have a calling to follow Jesus and Jesus alone. We have a calling to follow Jesus and Jesus alone. So many times we get caught up and we follow all these other people and we follow this and I listen to too many podcasts and I listen to this and I listen to all these other things which are great. But the problem is this, you ready? When I start following those things rather than following the calling that Jesus has on my life, I get confused. When I follow anybody but Jesus, I start, chaos sets in. And all I got to do is follow the calling that he has on my life and follow him. And that's exactly what they did. And they abandoned everything. They left everything and they went and they followed him. Mark 1 in verse 17, it says this. And Jesus said to them, and this was to Simon in in this particular piece, it says, And Jesus said to them, 
follow me and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. See, there's this, there's this ask from Jesus to follow him. There's this calling that Jesus says, follow him. And so as a church, our, our goal, our job, or what we want to do, our mission is to follow Jesus. And here's what happens when we follow Jesus. As we follow Jesus, we pass, passionately pursue Jesus and his teaching and what he's about. And then in the second part of this says, I will make you. In other words, Jesus is going to change us. He's going to make us into something. He's going to change us or he's going to grow us, allow us to grow into what he wants because we're not there yet, but he wants us to grow into that. He wants to change us into something. And it says this, I will make you become fishers of men. In other words, he has this mission for our lives. And this mission does not just stop with this me, but this mission goes on to be about other people. And see, so we come back to this piece. A disciple is somebody that follows someone. And we want to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. We're not about making disciples that live and love like Chad. We're not about making disciples that live and love like anybody else. We're about making disciples who live and love like Jesus. And he's, he asked us to do this. He's called us to follow him. He's called us to grow in him. And he's called us to lead like him. As we follow him, he'll grow us. He'll change us. As he grows us and changes, he'll give us influence on people. And he gives us a mission to reach out to people and to do something different than what we've seen. And so we can lead like him. If we have any type of influence, then we are leaders in this world. And so who do we have influence on? Who do we have impact on? And that's the piece that we can look at. In two weeks, we have this, this skating party coming up. In, in two weeks, we have this skating party coming up. Here's my, here's my simple ask of you guys. March 9th is a great opportunity to choose two people to invite. Choose two people to bring skate. And hey, listen, if you're not a person that skates, if you don't like to skate, don't worry, I don't skate either. Do you know who does? Chad Lynn and Chris Haywood. Do you know who else skates? Chris Costanza. If you want to watch somebody fall, it won't be me because I'm not skating. Here's, what I, here's my ask, you guys. Ready? Invite two people. Two families, two people, whatever. Two people you have influence on. Just invite them to the skating party. And it's free. Cover the costs. I even think they get free pizza and a drink, right? There you go. Or what? There you go. It's free. Take a risk. Just bring them. Introduce them to some people at Lightpoint. We'll be there. Chad Lynn took a risk. He invited our whole basketball team again this year. Chris Haywood invited his whole basketball team. There you go. 
Thank you, Joyce. That's right. Remember those you took gifts to Thanksgiving and Christmas? Reach out to them. Invite them. Take a risk and watch what God does. Last year, I don't know how we had, how many did we have last year come? Take a risk. You want to take a bigger risk too? Next Sunday, invite somebody here. Next Sunday, we kick off a series called I Am. Thank you, Jocelyn. I Am. We're going to start diving into who God is. We're going to start looking for the next eight weeks at the names of God and who God is. And what a great way for somebody that has no idea who God is to come and learn about who he can be in their lives. As we learn about who we have in our lives because we belong to him. Be willing to take a risk and watch how God shows up.